Good morning, everyone. How are you? How are you? All right, we've got a baptism today, and you all got baptized walking in, right? It's raining out there. Um, welcome to Haven Community Church. Let's just stand, and I'm going to open with a prayer today. Lord, we just give you praise for who you are. Thank you for your presence with us. And God, um, just send your anointing uh, here today. Let's just enjoy your presence. Um, we should have joy in your house because um, Easter's not just one day. It's, it's each and every day, and we just give you praise for who you are. Let us just worship your name. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, Amen. Lord today, and we won't be quiet. 
This week, well, I want to let you know you everybody can stop because the uh, the best grandchild has been born. Um, so um, she's awesome, and um, and I'm not really fully responsible for her, the first kid for a while. So that's a good thing. But um, she's awesome. Mom's awesome. They're probably watching today. So um, give her hugs. She's already t- I talk baby talk. You know, God gave me that as a spiritual language, and she's already told me I'm her favorite. So it's awesome. <laughs> but um, but thanks for all your prayers and. Um, and um, pray for my bank account because I'm going to spoil it really good. So, <laughs> but let's just continue to worship the Lord here today. There's a name of infinite words in the hand. Sing, 
right, everybody say a quick hello to those around you. The kids stay here because we're going to have a baptism. Their sponsors of Grayson Lee. You gotta help me with the last name. Huff Stutler. Yep. Yay, we'll go me. All right, Huff Stutler will come up here and you guys can stand here. Well, then you guys can go here. Come on up. Wherever you come on. Parents can stand over here. Stand, you can stand over there in the light and then people see you right here. And godparents can go on the other side. There we go. All right. You can turn around so they can see you. They want to see the baby. They never want to see us. They just want to see a cute baby. All right. All right. Um, so uh, today we're going to have this, um, like I said, uh, infant baptism, which is great. So um, one of the things is uh, through the sacrament of baptism, we personally and together God's um, love for us and his saving grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, um, this salvation, what we call salvation, is God's free gift. Now, salvation comes individually by us going ahead and accepting Christ. And we recognize that she's not at a cognitive uh, point to do that. But what we do recognize is that children are a gift from God. And, um, and as the scripture says, they're a gift from God. And in Psalm 127, it tells us that sons are a heritage from the Lord and a reward from him. And children are a reward from God. As believers, we're called to recognize that children belong first and foremost to God, and God in his goodness gives children to parents as gifts. Um, and not only is that an awesome responsibility to care for the gift, but it's also a wonderful privilege to enjoy that gift. So because children belong first and foremost to God and are given by, by grace, undeserved favor to parents, it's only proper that we go ahead and dedicate um, them back to God as well. And so we're told in First Samuel, um, the book of First Samuel, that Hannah, she had prayed for, the Lord, uh, for a child, and she got one, and she, she dedicated Samuel to the Lord. And in Luke 22, um, 2.22, it says that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple uh, to be dedicated and presented before the Lord. So the same way, Richard and London bring uh, their daughter, Grayson Lee Hustetler, I'll get it really good, um, along with godparents, Christine and Ryan, right? Okay, she's happy I got her name right, aren't you? Okay, there we go. Um, but um, they're representing first themselves and then ultimately Grayson before the Lord our God. So we are here as the body of Christ to recognize Grayson as being brought by her parents and godparents to be baptized. So as the family of God, we recognize that God's love that is already at work in Grayson's life. We pray for the day when she will go ahead and accept God for her, God's grace for herself through salvation, but we all, and recognizing Jesus as her personal Savior and pledge yourself to a life of faithful discipleship. So bow with me, if you will, for a prayer at this moment. 
Lord God, right now we uh, ask you to look upon your church and unseal for us the fountain of baptism. Um, by the power of your Holy Spirit, bless this gift of water. Bless Grayson who receives it, so that through the sacrament of baptism, your Holy Spirit will guide her and protect her in her journey with Christ. Amen. All right, so parents, here we go. So um, Richard London, uh, Christine, and Ryan. As members of the covenant community of God through your own confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, will you nurture Grayson in Christ's holy church? That by your teaching, and here's the hard part, example, um, may be guided to accept God's grace for herself and to profess her faith openly and lead to a Christian life. If so, say real loud, we will. We will. Oh, wasn't that good? They were good, okay? Um, so, all right. Um, and then for everybody else here, to the covenant community of faith, to the church, um, will you surround Grayson? and those before you with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God. If so, you guys say really good. We will. We will. All right. I think they were better, but that's okay. Um, but so, so one of the things that, we, that I, I like to touch on there, and some of you have heard this a lot, but I always, it always bothered me growing up in churches. And, of course, my dad was a pastor, so I told him about it. And he said, when you get a church, you can do what you want. I said, oh, here I am. Um, but one of the things was, is you ever go to church and then you just say stuff and you don't know what you said? Like some of you might have got married that way, you know what I mean? Um, but um, he said, I, I do, I will. And you're like, what did I do? Um, but anyway, um, that we, we do that a lot of times. And so I want people to know what they said. Um, what they said is that they recognize that Grayson is a gift from God. Now, we recognize that children... Um, that they're, they're great little beautiful bundles of selfishness, right? When they want something, um, they, they cry, they need, they, they have those things. Um, when they're, and that's when they're teenagers, right? <laughs> when, they, when they want to do those things. But um, we recognize that. And just as, as they're responsible for her, her physical needs and her mental needs and emotional needs, they're also responsible for the spiritual needs. Because when you look at it, that's actually even more important because the spiritual needs continue forever. And so um, they said, hey, we believe in the Lord and we want to we raise her in, in the faith until she can choose for herself. Because ultimately, this is an individual choice. You gotta, as C.S. Lewis said, we all got to come to a point where we, rec- we, we say who Jesus is. Is he liar, lunatic, or savior? Either one, we got to deal with one of those three things. So in that, that's what they said. They said, yeah, we're going to do that. What you guys said is that, hey, you know, and this is one of the reasons why we do baptism in community. Um, is because you said that, hey, what we... Uh, say is that we recognize that God is already at work in their lives, but we want to create an environment where if they choose this to be the church to do what they promised to do, that we will create that environment. All right. Everybody got that? So that's what you said. So if you don't like it too late, you already said it. Okay. So, all right. Um, so, all right. Now I get the fun part. Grayson, come here. There you are. How are you? How are you, sweetie? Yeah. All right. Grayson Lee Huffstetler, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, ready? Here we go. Come on. Now I get the fun part. I get to sing to you. And you didn't cry when I poured water on you. Ready? Jesus, draw me close, closer, Lord, to you. Let the world around me Fade away, Jesus, draw me close. Whoa, you're a wiggler. (laughs) Closer, Lord, to you, for I desire to worship and obey. What do you think? Want to go for a quick walk? All right, come here. There she is. 
Get a good look. Yeah, we'll put you up here. We'll put you up here. You can get in front. You don't have to look at me. <laughs> don't look at that guy. All right. There she is. Everybody likes to get a good look. Say hi to him. Say hi. There she is. Everybody get a good look here. How come you guys don't have that same reaction when I walk around? There we go. Got a good look, everybody? What do you think? And there she is. There she goes. Awesome. There you go. Awesome. So it's, it's great to do this today because um, uh, London and family go all the way back to the middle school days, right? And I told her, I told her, I said, uh, yeah, I'd love to do the baptism, but do not bring a snake. She brought a snake one time to church, and I hate snakes, you know? I mean, so I, I'm, I'm still, like, standing this far to make sure. But I love this girl. It's great to see, like, when the people who were kids when we first started this thing grow up and be awesome parents and have beautiful a uh, little girl who has, uh, whose name has some family significance, some real important family significance too. So, all right, and we have um, a couple things for you. We have a certificate here, and um, and we'll get some other stuff in a little bit. But awesome, give me a hug, and let's welcome Thank back. You. All right, all right. <laughs> she didn't cry. Thank you. Thank you guys. All right, at this time, our kids can go ahead and head to our Haven Kids. Um, and um, everybody else, just say, uh, good to see you at church today. And isn't that baby cuter than the pastor? Go ahead. tonight. I want you to know this. God loves you. God loves you. I promise you that. God is willing to forgive our sins. He'll give us a new life and a new beginning. Good morning. 
I'm so excited I could explode, but I'll try to contain myself today. I'm just so excited. We just have this beautiful family and their friends here for this baptism. Just And I will not try to say the name because I am the worst. But anyway, we're just glad to have you here and just hope you enjoy Haven Community Church. Um, we have just got all kinds of praises today, so look out, team. Here I come. Jack got a new baby. Emma, yay. Ella, who's Emma? I don't know. I am so sorry. I get them all mixed up. Emma, Ella, um, yeah, Judy, that's your problem now, not mine. <laughs> um, I am so excited. We have 20 volunteers going to May 2nd. Franklin Graham is coming to town. Okay, his brother Benjamin's too busy. Um, so we're just real excited about that. And I want to see you all there. Bring your chairs, bring your blankets, and just in case, bring your umbrellas, because I'm not sure that's going to happen. But anyway, and we have a praise. Roger's arm is healing. And we all know that it's been almost six months to a year that he's had this really rare shoulder disease process and he's able to lift his arm. So we are just thankful to God and he is going to continue to heal. So we need to keep him in our prayers. Keep him in there. Um, and I just have a praise I have to shout out personally, Miss Jenny, Miss Sarah, and some others are here today that I haven't seen for a while. I'm just so excited to see you in church, especially on a rainy day like today. What is up with that? Ah, that is it. I'm loving it. Um, Carol Ann has asked us to pray for her grandson. He's going to have surgery on Thursday, so we are going to be lifting him. Sandy Weary is going to be having eye surgery soon, so we're going to be lifting you in surgery. Um, Marguerite, her Jim brother-in-law has been in the hospital for 10 days so we're going to pray for his healing and to find out what's going on for him to get him better um nancy has some prayers we're going to lift her up to find housing and our good buddies jim and jen are in israel so we are traveling mercies for them because i know they're at the foot of jesus right this minute um brenda we're going to get that toe fixed one more time so brenda's going to have some toe surgery so we're going to be lifting her in prayer and this is really off the wall, but Bill, there's three boxes of cheese balls for you to take to the community chicken uh, kitchen this Friday. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting to tell you. So I had to write myself a note. And I have one more praise. Um, Janet and Larry, praise for Thomas. He officially passed his boards. He's officially a PhD and a candidate. What? I, 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 I was reading it. One more second. Candidate at Georgetown. I got it. I am the slow train, in case you all haven't figured that out. And I don't know why they keep letting me come up here, but they do. Well, what's next? Hands on your knees. We're going to pray. We are going to give it to God. Whatever you woke up with this morning on your heart, whatever, that fight with your spouse, your grandkids, your neighbor, whoever, Whatever, whatever was heavy, heavy, heavy on your heart. It might just be your health or somebody else's health. Give it to God. God will receive it and God will take it. He will lift it off of you. And now I want you to lift your hands to God because God is going to give you the grace, the mercies, the ones that we don't deserve and we get them. The love, the compassion, the healing, all the excitement that comes with new babies and good life. God gives that to us. All we have to do is reach up and ask. He shows us the way. And today, 
I want to pray for those that are suffering with mental illness, fighting addictions, finances, anything that you're fighting in your life. God can make it better. He will get you through it. I got quiet, and that never happens. So God's really working on me today. He loves you. We want Pastor Jack to be touched with the Holy Spirit during his message. And Laura, we welcome your four young grandchildren, handsome young men. Didn't forget them, but I did forget their names. That's just not going to happen. But I'm, I'm blessed. I feel happy to be here. I am so excited to see this church full on a rainy day. I cannot tell you. Jesus is in the house, and he's working with us. So let's praise him, and let's give Pastor Jack the floor. And if I forgot anything, I'm sorry. Amen. Amen. everybody um everybody good yep. all right good um a couple things uh we did have the announcements up there but i do want to touch on it um hard to believe but the um the god loves you tour you guys have probably seen it everywhere it's really cool because churches all over the county and, and tr actually tri-state area are coming together it's in fair hill at the fairgrounds um so it's free love for everybody to come there um uh, franklin graham son of billy graham anybody heard the name billy graham great evangelist um, of the 20th century um is um with the billy graham evangelistic society is just going and doing several of these up and down the coast it's free bring anybody you want it's a it's going to be a, a great night i know the news board boys are there and some other people that are singing, but um, it'll be a, a great time to go ahead and participate with that. Also, next Sunday, right after church, an hour right after church, we are having um, our Haven 101 class, and it's just, you come connect, you hear about um, Haven and how we came into existence and kind of how we do things here, and um, and so that'll that'll be, it's open to anybody, and it's exactly an hour right after church, and we'll send you we'll send you out, and you'll have a, have a good time there. And then um, on June 11th, um, if, you, if you like baptism, today, June 11th, we will go across the parking lot, um, and then down in the woods, there is a, a great spot, um, a creek, there's the, uh, I think, Northeast Creek that's down there, and there's a great deep enough spot, and um, we do a baptism celebration there, and you can register online um, in front of you, if you're in the, um, in, not in the front row, there is a uh, QR code that gets you our app, and you can go ahead and register, and then um, 
we'll make sure we can get t-shirts and all kinds of other things there. And then afterwards, we will have a meal. It's a great time. We do it once a year now. And we'd love for anybody, if you know somebody else who, um, who wants to be baptized, I mean, it's, that's what we're here to do. It's not, it's not a haven thing. It's a God thing, right? And we're excited about that. Um, last year, we was able to, um, to baptize a lady who... Um, uh, I think she was 70s or 80s, and she had never, she had always wanted to be baptized in, in a creek, and so she came down and just was so happy to do that. So again, um, we'd be glad to, uh, to accommodate you, so just go ahead and register, and we'll have a, a great time with that, all right? Um, we are in the midst of our, uh, of our second week of our series called I, I Doubt It, and um, anybody ever doubt anything in life? Anybody? I think, I think we kind of doubt anything. Like, how many, how many doubt that Washington has your best interests in mind? Okay, that, that might be logical. Who knows? Um, but um, a lot of times we've, we've doubted, uh, doubted things. And I, I really wanted to, we, we opened up last week kind of an intro to the series. Um, you can go ahead and catch that online um, if you'd like to. Um, but we, we were talking about doubt, and we really talked about the guy doubt, doubting Thomas, who's come down because after the resurrection, um, all, the other disciples saw Jesus, um, Thomas wasn't there and said, hey, and he probably thought they were locked up a little bit too much and losing it a little bit. And he said, because they, remember they were, it's like continual. They were saying, we seen the Lord, we seen the Lord, we seen Jesus, we saw Jesus, we saw Jesus. He's like, you guys are crazy. He said, unless I put my fingers in his hand or in his side, I'm not going to believe it. And because of that statement, which I think is a pretty smart statement, he, um, he goes down the history as doubting Thomas. But when Jesus appeared to him, he, he said, come on, Thomas, go ahead and do it. And put your finger in my side, put it in my hands. And Thomas didn't do that. He just said, my Lord, my God. And we talked about how he actually was faithful, Thomas, and how this guy doubting Thomas throughout history actually went further than any of the other disciples in, in witnessing his faith because he knew that he was his Lord and his God. And so what we're doing in the series, we're really dealing with the fact that there's a lot of doubts, and I think in many ways, the church has not handled doubt very well. Um, often when we have, we have questions and we have doubts, the church just says, oh, just, it says it, I believe it, go on with it. I don't want to hear it. And we don't talk about those things. And so a lot of times, or, or they say, uh, I doubt it, and they're, they're even more rude. I don't want to hear anything. You know, and they say, oh, you just don't have enough faith. And, and we kind of like leave it there without really talking about those things. And I think that's a detriment to the church because we have many people who have wandered away or many people who, have, who look at Christianity in a different way and look at Jesus in a different way because we've never really addressed and are open to addressing doubts. And we need to change that. Um, when you look at Christianity all over the world, there are thousands of people coming to Christ. And we celebrate that. But Honestly, in the United States and in Europe, Christianity has been declining. Um, it, about, it was about, uh, about 64%, roughly, of Americans call themselves Christians. And that may sound like a lot, but 50 years ago, that was 90%. So in my lifetime, we have lost 30, uh, you know, near 30%. Um, there were 75% in 2015. 70 in 2014, 78 in 2012, 80, uh, 85 in 1990. So we can see there's a trend in the United States that is um, going downward in that area. Um, about 62% of those polled said that they, um, they claim to be members of a church congregation. And in 2020, uh, Pew Research Center did a, uh, a same survey and they estimated that by the year 2070, Christianity will not be the majority in the United States. Um, it's no mistake that the COVID pandemic uh, hurt many churches in America. And 
uh, church attendance is starting to rebound, but in many ways it hasn't reached pre-pandemic ways. And in a 2021 Gallup poll, it revealed that church membership had fallen below 50% for the first time um, in the country's history. Now, worldwide Christianity, though, is having a 1.17% growth rate. That's about 2.56 billion people identify as Christians. And by 2050, that's expected to top 3.3 billion people. Yet, one of the things is there's a lot of questions about why are people leaving the Christian faith and why do, why do people doubt in certain areas? And in several of those areas, um, the data is, is very interesting. A lot of it is how Christians treat other people, uh, how they deal with social issues. Um, and um, the, really the one that stands out to me as one of the top ones when you get out of the social and all the other stuff is the behavior of believers, that the, um, it's like uh, what Gandhi once said, I would have become a Christian if I ever met one. And he said, it's Jesus, Jesus I love, but it's Christians I don't. And so uh, we, we had these reasons. People go anywhere from, um, from uh, the, the lack of love, um, lack of caring, um, as I said, behavior, uh, politics, rights, scriptural issues, all kinds of other things. And so we have this, these, these indicators that people are dealing with time and time again, and they're leaving. Um, and so as we look at this some more, we say that there's an issue that's here. Why in this free country that also has some of the biggest issues that there are is something like the good news of Jesus Christ. Why is it declining among people? And so I go to that, well, the behavior of believers or how we're packaging Christianity may be something that is really uh, keeping us going. And so people are leaving as that is one of the top reasons. And that's the final reason why many of them are staying away. And then when, uh, like when asked, what is the main, what is the main thing that you miss about your Christian uh, family? The top one is, I miss community. I miss community. I started thinking about that. If behavior of Christians is one of the top ones that's causing people to go away, but yet people are missing community, I'm not a genius, but that makes me think that the churches that they were part of really weren't a community. You know what I mean? Uh, that they, they didn't come together. They probably came together and just sat there and listened to good dissertations and other kinds of things. But the power of Jesus connecting them as people of God together was gone. And they didn't have that. And they missed that. They missed the music. They missed uh, certain things. But the main thing was community. And down the list, like third or fourth, was family. One person said, I miss the community. I don't have a single friend from my church days. And it can get lonely. Says, I don't really feel like I can share my beliefs with anyone else. And my husband being an atheist makes me feel uncomfortable in doing any form of worship at home. So I bottle up inside. And I generally feel awkward all the time. One says, I really miss the sense of community that I got from the Christian church. I was able to wrap up most of my life in whatever I church attended, not only on Sunday attended services, but I sang, I did VBS, I was in every youth group I could be. As a youth autistic kid, I had a hard time making friends. It's so much easier to bond with people of the shared love of God in church. And yet, people all around this country and in Europe particularly, are leaving the church one right after the other. 
Doesn't seem to make sense, does it, in many ways, if that's our job, to, to love one another. Um, we see in our statement in the shirts that we have here is Haven Community Church, where we love God and we love others. And hopefully you find that in some of those areas. Um, I asked uh, ask myself, I decided to do the Jack pupil, um, and I went ahead and I just asked people um, on Facebook some things, and, um, and why do people doubt? And in several of those areas, people said, because I think people can't believe something they don't see. And uh, others said, how can an all-knowing, loving God allow such violence and such bad things happen in our society? And others said, we start thinking God as human and our experience with other people uh, leaves us by the wayside. And other people had so many other familiar things that were there. Again, it comes down to if, if people can't see Jesus, they may not see him tangibly, but he should see them in the church. The church is called what? The body of Christ. And therefore, we should display who Jesus is in many other people's lives. So over... Um, you know, in looking at this as a pastor, as a father, as a proud grandfather, I get to say that for the first time, um, and as a person who loves so many people, it hits really close to home when people are saying, I choose not to follow Jesus. I choose, not, I choose to walk away. You know, we have five kids, and um, they grew up and had lots of, different, uh, lots of different friends over the years. I coached and did several things for years, and I knew some people who were really involved. My older ones were involved in, in young life and in youth groups and other kinds of things. And then over, over the years of being a dad and professor and a coach and all kinds of other things, I was able to form relationships with many of these people, many of these young people, and to see them when they you know, were excited about um, doing things of God and, and being connected. So I went to one thing one time there was a dinner and saw um, individuals stand up and talk about their faith in Jesus. And then somewhere along the way, they had questions and they had, didn't find answers and nobody was willing to deal with that. Or they, they had hurts or they, worse, they were hurt by a, by a community. And we're going to talk about that in the series. Or they faced some real spiritual doubts and nobody was there to really go ahead and say, hey, Let's talk that through. Let's, let's work through that. And rather than pursuing a growing relationship with those questions and with those things with Jesus and others, some of these kids who were really close to God at one point not only walked away but ran away from the faith. And so what I want to talk about today is just that. And I call it leaving, no doubt. And so um, I just want to start this portion with a prayer right now, if you will. Father, we just ask right now today that by the power of your Holy Spirit, in the same way that you draw people to you when we lift Jesus up, we pray that you would represent him, that we would represent him in all that we do so that people would see him. And because of your goodness through your church, I pray that people would follow your son and lives would be changed and things would be answered and, and that they would just grow closer to you through doubt and through questions. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody says, amen. So we're talking about people walking away from the faith. And instead of uh, Christian people bringing shame or blame in them, I want to talk about um, those of us who are believers and taking responsibility in the places that maybe we should. And I want to ask that you be open-minded and just kind of consider how some of us as Christians might be getting some things wrong. And with God's help, how some of us can do even better in showing people who Jesus is. And, you know, in, in several areas in, in the world, um, one of those is Africa. 
um, the church is growing immensely. And so we, we hope to recapture that. And today we want to look at a very complicated guy, one of my favorite guys in Scripture. His name is Simon Peter, and um, he was one of the 12. Um, and uh, Simon was his real name. His nickname was uh, Peter Petra, which means Rocky. So if you want to think of how he is and you read scripture, listen to him in like Sylvester Stallone voice. Hey, yo, God, right? You know, that's who he is. He's kind of like that open mouth. Yeah, hey, I'm just dumb. I do what I want. You know, that's, that's who he is here. And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 14. And it's a really, it's a really interesting chapter. Jesus is becoming a rock star. Like people are just like, oh my gosh, Jesus, he's there. And so people flock to him. They just flock to him one right after the other. And in, in 14 here, he has some issues with some of the leaders. Um, but then again, on top of that, then he goes ahead. There's, there's like 5,000 men plus women and children out there. They're hungry. Jesus says, hey, feed them. They say, we don't have enough food. Let's send them home. And he said, what do we got? Little boy brings his little Lunchable, um, two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus blesses it, um, breaks it, and then says, go pass it out. When he passed it out to these 5,000 men plus women and children, could have been fifteen to 20,000, they had 12 baskets, not like huge baskets, but probably little lunch baskets left over. And so that shows you that Jesus even took care of those who did the service, like the 12 disciples as well. So that's what he's dealing with. And meanwhile, it tells us that, that people just wanted to be around him. They wanted to follow him. They wanted to, be, they, wanted to get, they wanted to get something. We need healing. We need this. Oh, by the way, tomorrow's breakfast. What are you going to do for that, Jesus? You know, they, they wanted that. They wanted more and more. And at this point, we read in the scripture, it says, immediately Jesus said, you know, let's get in the boat. Let's, let's get out of here. You guys, he said, you guys get in the boat. And says, immediately he said, go, get in the boat. And the way I see the people are, are following him all the way down. He's like, we got to get out of here. This is too much. And so he sends them, says, get in the boat, go to the other side. I'm going to meet you there. I love the disciples who ask questions all the time. Said, how are you going to get there, Jesus? This is a pretty big like lake. How are you going to get there? They didn't ask him, but he said, I'll meet you on the other side. Go on. So they go out, they go out and they get out in the, in the water. And they're heading there. And as they're, um, they're heading out, Jesus goes up to a mountainside to pray. And I can kind of see like Jesus goes up to a mountainside by himself and he's looking and he's seeing that boat go out. He's seeing the boat. Now keep in mind, a lot of these guys are fishermen, but they're not really good. You know, like anytime you read them catching fish in, in the Bible, they only catch fish if Jesus does something miraculous. So they're not really good fishermen. Um, but they also get scared a lot on the water because it's a little boat, but... You know, I've, uh, you know, I always think of the guy in Jaws like, ah, more, you know, like the more storms and, and things like that. They like those things. But um, the disciples didn't at this point. And they're like, ah, you know, so they're out there. And, um, and so uh, it's, it's really kind of cool. So it, look what it says here. And it's in your bulletin, guys, or it's also up on the screen. It says, shortly before dawn. So Jesus has been praying all night. Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. I love how that's just stated. Like Jesus is like, oh, I'm going to go check him out. You know, he's just walking out on the lake. So when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. I got to tell you, I don't blame them. Do you? I mean, a lot of times we beat these guys up. They went out on a boat and then all of a sudden Jesus is like, hey, what's up? And he's walking out on the water. I'm going to be like, ah! And they said, it's a ghost. I'm going to figure something out too in this point. And, and they, they cried out in fear. Ah, ah, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. You know, like, I, I just kind of think that's funny. It's I. Hi, here I am. Ah, surprise. Um, don't be afraid. Like he said, um, he, he said, don't be afraid. I'm going to be scared to death. I'm not going to hear that. I'm going to be like, ah, I'm going to be screaming in the back of the boat. I'm going to be pushing Peter and John and everybody in front. And I'm like, maybe the ghost will get you first, right? Um, but Jesus said, no, 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 chill out, guys. It's just me. It's just me. I, and my first question would be like, 
how you doing that? Um, but they didn't do that. Peter, Simon Peter, says the statement. He says, Lord, if it's you, I'm, I'm, let me do it in the right voice. Lord, yo, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to walk on you in water. That's the last thing I'm saying, right? I'm be like, well, come on, get a little bit closer and we'll see. And I'll be like having a club if it's not, you know what I mean? But Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come on out. Tell me to come on out. So if you don't know what happens, Peter then gets out and walks on water. And, um, and so uh, what does it say here? So Jesus says, come on, come on. And then Peter got down out of the boat. And um, as he got down out of the boat, he started going, there we go. Um, he walked on water and came to Jesus. I just love how the writers just put, he gets out of the boat and he walks on water. I'd be like, and he walked on water, exclamation point, exclamation point, right? But no. Um, and came toward Jesus. So here you have Jesus walking out on the water. They say, whoa, it's a ghost. He says, no, it's not me. They're doubting here. Hmm. Is that you? Tell me to come out and walk out on the water. Peter's like, nobody else said a word. Did you realize that? Because they're still like, ah! right? Peter gets out and he's, it says he's walking on the water. I would have been like, yeah, this is cool. You know, I'd be like dancing and whatever else. But then it says, um, he was afraid when he saw the wind. I think that's interesting. He saw the wind. He didn't hear the wind. He saw it. I mean, he saw the white caps and he saw, he saw maybe, you know, just it blowing the ship back and forth. And he saw maybe like Jesus' clothes just blowing around. And, he, and what happened? He was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And I love this verse. Immediately, Jesus didn't go, mm-hmm. Immediately, Jesus reached out, reached out, and he said, you, he caught him and said, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? It's an awesome, incredible uh, story. Many times we criticize Peter, um, like, oh, like Jesus went, oh, you have such little faith, oh, like this, you know. Um, but how about some love uh, for Peter? He got out of the boat, right? Jesus didn't say, come on, Simon, come on, Peter. He didn't say that. He said, come. Every single one of those disciples could have walked on water. You realize that? Peter's the only one. And, um, and so, you know, we need to give him some love. And, but we watch him struggle in his faith. Just like some of us are bold at one moment. Yeah, I'm on fire for God. And then when our doubts and other stuff start to come in, we start to, uh, start to waver and start to look at stuff around us. And like him, when the wind and the waves started, and we saw the wind and he's like, I shouldn't be doing this. He started to, that fear caused him to sink. So Jesus asked him a question. It's a good question. What's his question? What's his question in the yellow? Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? I would have been like, because I'm walking on water. That's why I doubted. He said, why did you doubt? And again, I've, I've looked at that. And, um, and, so, and you know, I, I thought, man, I, I kind of always had Jesus being like this derogatory. Why did you doubt? Oh, you little faith, you know. And then I started thinking today, I mean, how many of us here, if we're honest, and how many of us watching online, if you're online, just type it in, have had spiritual doubts in your life? Anybody? Anybody ever had spiritual doubts? All right. Um, some of us are even afraid to say that we did in church. You know, that's because of church environment. Um, but we've all had spiritual doubts, I think, at one point. Or, uh, and I thank you for your honesty, because there are some faith communities that, where people would never have the courage to just say, hey, I got some doubts. Um, they might be afraid or ashamed to to look or feel like they'd be cast out or that they don't have enough faith. So the goal today is, is 
it's not easy, but I want to talk to two different groups of people. Number one, I want to talk to those who, have, who currently have some faith doubts. All right. And it's, it's not unusual. Most great believers do or have. Um, and, and so that's the first group. And remember this. Remember this. Um, your doubts don't disqualify your faith. Sadly, many of us think that that's what this Christian faith is, but it's not. And, um, and just because you're doubting now, it does not mean that you're not a believer. Real faith isn't the absence of doubt. Um, real faith pushes through doubts to even deeper faith. Do you think after Simon Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, started sinking, and Jesus brought him up and said, Hey, you little faith, why did you doubt? Do you not think that he had a better and a stronger faith now? Because I can see him sitting around with his buddies. Hey, he said, come, but I'm the only one who walked on water. Psh, sorry, guys. I'm the one who walked on water. Why? Because I got out of the boat. Y'all sat there, y'all, lamos, you know, whatever he's going to say. But he, he did that. So I want to talk to some of you that way. Uh, the other ones I want to talk to is those who are ready to help others in their doubts. And if this is you, instead of being the type of people that look down upon people who have doubts, I want to I wanna help you be able to say, oh, I don't want you to say, oh, they must not really been a Christian or they must have um, never really uh, believed really. You know, we went through a little bit of time there a couple years ago where there was, there was major worship leaders from Hillsongs and other areas that were actually questioning their faith. And the reaction that they got was not one of, hey, let's, let's surround you with love and, and let's talk about this. They got a, a Christian community that attacked them. And it's not right. It's not right. So instead of having this kind of negative, judgmental, uh, condescending attitude, we want to show the love and grace uh, of Christ in this. So those two groups are what we're going to talk about. So what is doubt? Doubt is not, doubt is not the enemy of faith. It's not the enemy of faith. But often what I believe is an invitation to a deeper faith. So because your doubt doesn't mean you don't have faith. Doubt can be an invitation to pursue Jesus, to grow into a deeper faith. Like when you look at that question, Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And, and so we, we have these, and it's a very interesting question. And an honesty moment in me, you know, last week I shared with you where I had a, a moment of doubt, where I was in church, I'm getting ready to preach, and it just kind of hit me in that point, because a lot of other stuff in life, and it just hit me where I'm starting to question stuff. I'm getting ready to come up here, and I'm, I just wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling stuff, it wasn't, it, and I was just wrestling in myself for a very quick time. And, and I just kind of had that that moment like uh, Thomas did, you know, that you're not sure, but then all of a sudden, then Jesus comes to you and he gives, gave me a glimpse I shared with you about when I accepted Christ at the age of five. And, and I just, I had, that, I had that reality that, yes, you have been there all the time. And he just gave it to me very quickly. And I just felt, went from doubting in a moment, which made no sense to me logically, to a point of my Lord, my God. But I've also had times in my life where there were seasons of doubt, where um, you went through it. And I'll tell you, one of my, one of my greatest seasons of doubt um, occurred when I was in seminary. Um, and that's, if you don't know what that is, that's where they send pastors to become pastors. Um, it's like, gra it's graduate school for pastors. And you say, well, that should strengthen your faith. Yeah, it should, but it doesn't all the time. Because one of the weird things about the Christian faith is we put many people who have lots of degrees, but no heat. Uh, you know what I mean? That they, they really have all kinds of initials after them, and they know a lot about the Bible. They know a lot about ancient Greek and, Rome and, and Romans and Hebrew uh, languages and stuff, but they don't know Jesus personally. 
And, and so what you get, you get great dissertations at many times. Now, I had some who were incredibly awesome people, but I had, I had an Old Testament professor who hated David, and he would go ahead and tell you why he hated David. Um, and I had other professors who, who questioned everything that was in there. I had um, people who were with me in seminary who questioned that Jesus was even born of a virgin and uh, rose from the dead. These are people within the Christian environment training other people. And there was times where it would just, it would just, at times you were just like, well, what if, and you know, just when you're beat down, what if what they're saying is real and why am I bothering? And what, you know, you start to struggle in those areas and you may be shocked right now that as a pastor that I had those areas, but that's just the problem. We should recognize that we do struggle and it's okay. Because as I read, we read last week that after the resurrection, they went to the mountaintop. They saw Jesus. Some worshiped, but some doubted. We look today that they're in a boat. He says, it's me. They say, it's a ghost. And some doubted, right? We need to be okay with doubt that there's some of those areas at times we may say, well, can I trust the Bible? Am I, you know, can I really devote my life to something that I can't tangibly see or hold? Can I do that? And so why do you doubt? And if you do, why? Well, we went through some of the reasons why people doubt, but I think one of those is sometimes people have questions you can't answer. And guess what? The older I get, the less I know. Anybody with me there? Like you, you start to, to look into other things. You're like, I don't know really anything. I feel like Socrates, I don't know anything. And you're like, okay, well, you're pretty smart then because you don't know anything. But there's a lot of people out there who know absolutely anything. Am I correct? If you don't believe me, type something like you know it on social media and find out how much you don't know. All right? Um, some believe or read and say science contradicts the Bible. And we're going to deal with some of that because in some ways they build each other up in amazing ways. Somebody's not happy, all right? Um, but, um, uh, and then... Um, some may say the exclusive claim of Jesus is the only way is too, too exclusive for me. Um, I heard a, a, one person one time who, who said, you know, that just bothers me because I, I went to school with someone from another country and they're, they're a Buddhist and they're a good person, but it just kind of doesn't settle well with me. How can Jesus be the only way? There's a large group of people that doubt that they, can, they, they, they can't merge how a good and loving God can allow this horrific stuff to happen. Big stuff in the world, like genocide and other kinds of things, but even things that hit home, like, um, you know, just like the people who are in our own communities are starving. Uh, several years ago, I remember that they, they did an estimate and they said that um, of, of people in Cecil uh, County Public Schools, there was enough to fill one whole school of people who were homeless, kids who were homeless. And that, we don't think about that but every day, or, or we can have other things like um, innocent babies around the world that are, are dying because of a lack of a meal, um, a basic meal, or about young girls who are being trafficked all around the world as we just go about life, right? None of those things are right, so how can a loving God be there? And, and what about, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for them to be healed and God knew it and he didn't do it, or... I prayed for my parents' marriage and they ended up divorcing and I just knew that this job was for me and I was ready and I didn't get it. Is God just playing with me or does he care? Is he even there? Sometimes it's just an issue that doesn't seem fair. Like, you know, you ever get to a point where you're like, that's not fair. You ever know somebody that you don't like? Come on, we don't like people. We can say that, we're in Christians. But there's people that we, okay, I'll say it nicer, that we don't mesh with, um, that something good happens to them and you're like, huh? Eh? 
them? Well, maybe there's like fire and torture associated with that somewhere. You know what I mean? We have those things. And, and it doesn't seem fair. Um, or we have a hurt that we can't resolve. Or someone that you looked up to and you loved and respected, they let you down. The youth pastor that seems so amazing, you find out is addicted to heroin and you didn't know. One person said that one of the reasons they doubt is, for me, the reason I doubt is because what I read in Scripture, I don't see in the church. So why do you doubt? Jesus said to Peter, oh, you have little faith. I've always seen it as a blame, but I started looking a little bit more into it during this uh, planning for this. And then I said, well, let's look at the character of Jesus. Jesus is always loving, right? He's always loving. Sometimes he's, he's harsh in his loving. He's brutal that way. Other times um, he's full of grace. He didn't look at people and what they did and what their job was and how their life was and where it took. He loved them where they were and said, hey, I love you too much to stay there. Let's go a different way. And so he loved them. He was compassionate. So I thought, well, that doesn't seem right that he would be condemning here. So maybe I had that question wrong. What if this question was not a, con a question of condemnation? You have a little faith. Why did you doubt? Ugh. Why did you doubt? You know, uh, you know, what's your deals, Peter? I mean, come on. What's the deal here? Uh, you know, Jesus didn't say, you know, go ahead, sink, you big loser. That's why I named you Rocky, because you're going to sink like a rock. Enjoy at the bottom. He didn't say that. Um, but that's kind of how I heard it for years. Anybody else with me here when you hear this? So what did Jesus do? He immediately, right? He immediately reached out his hand and lifted him up. Immediately. He didn't wait and said, let's see how far he goes until he cries out. No, no, no. He immediately reached out and pulled him up. When Peter was drowning in his doubt, because that's what he was doubting, when he saw the wind, he got afraid and he began to doubt. When he was drowning in his doubt, Jesus didn't say, you shouldn't doubt. You doubted, you're just going to sink. No, he had compassion on him, reached out to him and saved him. I believe Jesus was inviting and encouraging and compassionate, even in this statement. Hey, Peter, why'd you doubt, bro? What's up, man? I'm on the water. You're on the water. We were having a little cruise on the water. And then you had to just look at the wind, and you start sinking. Uh, remember, remember, we just came from the loaves and fishes. Remember that? Your belly's still full from it, right? Um, and then he says, hey, you know, remember the wedding? The wedding when they ran out, I turned the water into wine. You know, remember that? Do you, do you remember that, Peter? Do you remember the healings that we did? Do you remember like the blind eyes that can now see and the deaf ears that can hear? The people that were dead and now they're not? Do you remember that at all? Why did you doubt? Come on, man, you know, you've seen that. You're one of the big three. I'd take you everywhere. You had to say, come on, Rocky. What the heck? You got it. Why'd you doubt, man? Is that faith still too little? Come on, dude. Now you're soaking wet. And now these guys are going to say something, but you can just remind them you got out of the boat. Right? I think Jesus is giving him an invitation, reminding him. It's an invitation that whatever, whenever we start to doubt or someone you love starts to doubt, don't panic. Don't panic. It's not a time to panic. Jesus didn't panic. He didn't go, ah, you should have believed. No. He said, come on, man. Come on, why'd you doubt? We were cruising. It's a time to talk. And that's exactly what Jesus did, didn't he? Hey, man, why'd you doubt? You got some little faith there. You're a big guy, but you got some little faith. Come on, man. And we should do the same thing. Not condemn people. Why'd you doubt? Psh, drowned. No, we should say, hey, let's talk about it. 
let's, let's see where you are. Let's, let's find out where you are and see where God is. As we do that, let's push in a little bit deeper to God, not a little bit further away from him. But the problem is we as Christians don't handle doubt well. When someone asks a question or when someone is hurt or when life doesn't make sense, sometimes we feel like we need to judge them in an accusatory way. And then again, we, and then people don't feel the love of God. They don't feel the compassion. They feel the condemnation that we've given to when Jesus said, you a little doubt. Jesus picked him up, had him in his hand and said, man, watch your doubt. Come on, let's talk about this. He didn't say doubt, uh, well, too bad. And I said that several times because the approach that the church has had for years is you doubt too bad. And when you get your doubt together and you're back up walking on the water, then you can be part of us. And it's wrong. It's wrong. We've pushed and there's so many people away that are doing what they call deconstruction. They're, they're looking at their faith and they're beginning to pick apart things. And when they have questions and we have this approach... They start to deconstruct their faith. It's controversial. It's emotional. Uh, it's not a new term. It's been around a lot. But there's a lot of approaches to this. But in my, in my opinion, and many people would disagree, I believe there's a healthy way where we deconstruct. We start to have those doubts and questions in our faith that can actually go ahead and bring us closer to the Lord if handled properly. But sadly, the majority handles it improperly, and we end up hurting more people, and they end up in the droves of running away from the Christian faith. Like, for instance, let me say this. Um, has anybody ever gone to a restaurant? Has anybody ever gone to a restaurant, and it was a bad restaurant? Let me ask you a question. Did you go to another restaurant ever again? Did you? I mean, I'm looking at you. You look pretty hungry, so... Um, you probably didn't go back to that restaurant. You know why? Because they gave you something that hurt you when it was supposed to build you up and feed you. Right? But it didn't stop you from going to all restaurants. The problem is, many of us, we go to a spiritual restaurant called a church. We get something that makes us sick and hurts us rather than nourishing us. And then we say, I'm never going to another restaurant again. We just got to find the right one that feeds us and feeds us properly, not on what we have, but on the word of God Amen. and who he is. And that's, that's what we need. We don't write off all churches. And that's why some preachers get into this thing. Well, oh, they weren't saved in the first place. Oh, they didn't know Jesus. No, no, you just gave them bad food. Yes. And you gave them wrong food. And when they needed something because they were wavering and they needed something to strengthen them, you gave them something that made them sicker. I... You know, we, we go through this time and time again. And remember, it's a, it's a journey that we're on. And my definition of deconstruction, when it's done well, is this. It's a sincere examination of your beliefs to let go of what is untrue so that you can hold on to what is true. So you get rid of the stuff that in your, your own beliefs that are untrue and trade it for something that is true. And honestly, if deconstruction, if our questions, if our doubts are done well and we have an environment where we can, we, can, we can explore those, then it can actually be a form of discipleship and we can grow stronger and deeper to God. But the problem is we also live in a time where if you, are, you disagree with me, you're my enemy. And, and one of the, the worst things I've seen in the last 10 years in the church is people, it's not only denominations, it's politics, it's social issues, everything else. We forget our commonality in Christ and we focus on what we want and what we think is right. Yeah. 
And then we wonder why people aren't coming in and getting some food there because we're throwing it at each other. And we got to get it right. we got to get it right. And so um, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this. And, and so there's a lot, a lot of times that some things happen. He said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I love that verse. Don't you want to just stop there? Yeah, I don't like that person. I'm going to hate him. Yay, thank you, Jesus. You said that, all right? Uh, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And to his early hearers of that, they say, yes, I got some of them. I know who they are. I got a list and I hate them. Jesus said, you heard that? They're like, yeah, yeah. And he says, but whenever Jesus says that, look out. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh-uh. Now, now, as I look at that, you may have believed that you're supposed to hate those who are mean to you. Don't you? We can justify it. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know who they are. They're nasty people. They deserve to burn in hell. I'm sharing from my life, okay, here, you know. Um, and you believe you should do that. But the heart of God, the heart of Jesus, the heart of the kingdom is you are to what? Love them, no, and pray for them. No, I don't like that. See, we believe one way and we justify one way and we believe that, but it's untrue. Everybody with me? Yes. Right now, all your enemies are in your head and you're like, I don't want to pray for them. I don't want to love them. I get it. Um, so basically, Jesus was saying, you thought this was true, but I'm here to tell you it's not true. This is true. And it's always different than what you think in many cases. Amen. You see Jesus do this with disciples over and over again. In Matthew chapter 16, he says, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem where I'm going to suffer and I'm going to be killed. But the good news, I'm going to be raised back to life again. Simon Peter says, no way, not going to happen, not under my watch. Not my plan. You're not going to be, you're going to be a conquering king. You're not going to go ahead and die. Peter, disciples, believed, conquering king, coming in on Jerusalem. Let's kick some Roman behind and let's go ahead and take over. And I'm close to you, so it's going to be a good life. Jesus says, eh, I'm going to suffer and die. And he says, oh, no, 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 that doesn't fit my plan. Jesus, they believed something that was untrue. And Jesus said, nope, believe this. Believe this. Jesus wasn't having anything any of that wrong belief with Peter. And he said, you do not have in your mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. What was Jesus doing there? Was he like, you don't have in your mind? No, he was like, hey, you don't have in your mind. You're thinking human-wise. Come on, Simon, get, get it through your head. I want, I want you to know about the things of God. He was discipling. He was teaching. He was deconstructing what Peter had built up about his idea of Messiah and saying, no, no, here's who I really am here. And the problem with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and Jesus is they believed something that had years of structure and years of power and years of influence. And Jesus said, I'm not who that is, and that's not who God is. And they had a problem with it. So how do you build your belief system? How do you build your belief system? The B-I-B-L-E, right? The Bible. That's how we build. You agree with me? You build your belief system? If you believe me, with me, say, you're right. Amen. Okay. So, do you really? You sure? Like how I set you up there? All right. You build your belief system based off of how your church or religious upbringing taught you the Bible. You build your belief system on how your family interprets the Bible, how your community interprets the Bible. 
No matter how smart you are, no matter how many theological degrees you have, no matter how many worship songs you have in your playlist in your car, no matter how many times um, you're on social media. Like, have you ever been in your car, you have a worship playlist and somebody cuts you off and you just kind of have an unholy moment? Um, What I'm saying is you bring your own filters. We all bring our own baggage and our own filters when we read the Bible. We can't do it. I mean, like, I kind of hear my parents' voice in it, you know, when I I read it. it's how you're raised. Where sometimes part of the the life where you are, or where you know the country where you are, or the type of church you were raised in, or no church at all, and even the way your parents were, and you know socially and politically, that might influence. And you pick up beliefs as you go. And some of you just want to run from those, right? And others of you, you can't get away from them. It's like bad luggage. It just stays to you forever. But the good news is many of your beliefs about God are true and biblical. And you, and you really honor God, but not the good news is we have some that just aren't. And so um, I grew up in, I was around church life from the moment I was born. My dad was a pastor for 43 years, and um, I grew up in the United Methodist tradition, one that I, that I loved theologically, and I lo- it, you know, taught me a lot about Jesus and God. And, um, and uh, you know, so he went into the Methodist church, which it had a lot about Jesus and God, love of you know, God and the grace of Jesus. I heard a lot about that. But um, I also had a father who I, and a mother who um, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit in the early 70s, right around the Jesus movement. Everybody saw the, saw the film about that. And I, we always joked and said that Jill and I were raised in a Methocostal household, you know. Um, and, um, and so, um, and there was a, what they called a charismatic movement. And that just means a gift movement. It just means gifts. Um, and, but it's gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we were, we were raised in that. And, um, and, and, you know, like then we would go to some environments that were really Pentecostal because um, dad would be asked to speak and we would go there. And that's not where it's about the, um, the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Ghost. You know what I mean? That's when, that's when you know you're really like when they're shouting and you're yelling, they're like, Holy Ghost. And you're like, okay, here we go. Strap your uh, seatbelt on because it's going to get busy. All right. Um, and so we were raised in that environment. So as a, as a young kid, um, I just kind of thought that's, you know, it was, you never fell asleep. I'll let you know. Um, but it was just, uh, it was just part of that environment that we were taken all up and down the Eastern seaboard to. And, and I just kind of had that understanding by growing up in, as my dad, as my pastor that, you know, Hey, when I went away to school or whatever, that's how all churches are wrong, wrong. I mean, some, I was like, man, this is so boring. This is dead. It's, who's Jesus? Do they know him? You know, I mean, I was going through some of those things. But then on the other side, you would get to some that were, were so, so Pentecostal that they just like scare you to death. And you have the gifts. If you don't have it, you're not going to heaven. And I'm like, ah, you know, and people just scare you. know what I mean? And it's like people just dancing and sweating. And you're like, ah, you know, I know you're Pentecostal. You're, you're not sweating right now. You're good. All right. But, but I'm saying, you know, like, and, and they're all good people. They're all good people, and they all have amazing gifts, and we have different understanding that it's, it's good, but none of us have the carte blanche on what, who God is, and we need to recognize that we can get caught up so much in legalism, in socialisticism, not socialism, but social, social agendas, and we can even get on the other side of you know, charismatically that way. We can get caught in anything so much that we deny the full nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we have the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes the church be the body of Christ. 
We can't just marry ourselves to one. And you can tell what church you're in. When some of you were raised in a church where God was going to get you if you didn't, and he had a big Bible he's ready to smack you in the face with and send you to hell. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? Yes. Or you just have one that Jesus is love. It's great. Oh, it's a love, love. And then you had the Pentecostal one there doing backflips, right? We need the whole picture of who God is in our lives. And so what I'm saying is when you read the Bible and when you approach Christianity, you come at it from whatever funnel you were, you were pushed through. And that's caused some of us to run the other direction and caused some of us to stay. So I want to I apologize for picking on these two things, but I want to give you a couple of these in our, uh, our last few moments here. Um, like some, I've, I've heard some churches, you can't go to movies. You can't dance. What do they do with David? David stripped down and dance. I mean, they'd have a problem with him, right? Maybe that's why that professor didn't like David. I don't know. But in some places, you have to name it, claim it, see it, be it, blab it, grab it. You know what I mean? That's kind of thing. Um, or if you're a Christian, you have to vote blue or red. And based off of whether you are blue or red, those other people aren't really Christians. I'm not making this up. This happens. Or you can't date in some Christian cultures. Or you can't listen to secular music in some Christian cultures. I'm going to restate this. I wrote this differently. Men have, like women can't wear pants. Men, they, have, they can't wear pants. They have to wear dresses everywhere. That's the first hesitations. That's not a Bible verse. I'll just let you know. Anyway, um, it's not there is what I'm saying. It's not there. It's not there. Um, no makeup. No instruments in some places. Or you got to have all the instruments in other places. Some places it has to be loud and deafening. Other times it has to be so quiet that you're just like solemn. Sometimes you clap. Sometimes you don't. You ever been part of the clap? Like a church where something happens, you like want to clap, and you're the one who comes from a clappy environment, and you go, yes. and you're like the only person, and you're like, and you're like, Ugh, you know, whatever you're doing. When we get to Scripture, it says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Right? We have these things. These are all part of these things. Some of us have other things like, um, like this one. Uh, you have to be baptized this way or you have to do communion every single week or, or once a month or you have to pray for an hour um, or you have to say amen at the end of your prayers or back in the day in the hymnals. You always have to go, amen, oh, no matter what it was, right? Remember those? Um, and if you don't, then um, you'll die and go to hell where the worm never dies and all that other kind of stuff, right? Weeping and gnashing teeth. Or you have to have the original King James Version because that's what Jesus spoke, right? Um, or you have to have a modern translation because the King James is too off. I could go on for hours and guess what? Every, all those things I just said, not one of them comes from the heart of God. Amen. Not one of them. Amen. One day you wake up and you realize that maybe so much that you believed about God is not true. And when you discover the parts that are not true, don't leave the faith. Don't throw it away. What do you do? You let go of what's not true and you hold on to what is true. Amen. Like, for instance, we had a, a part time in the bathroom where some water got down in and it rotted the floor. And I said, heck, you know, the floor's got some rotted water. Let's burn the sucker down. Let's burn it all down. No, you don't do that, right? What do you do? You cut out the part that's wrong or dying, and you replace it with something that's stronger. In your faith, don't burn it down in your doubts. In your faith, cut out the section, get it right, 
get it fitting good, and it'll be stronger than ever. And so will your faith, and the house will be a better house. All right? When you discover something that you don't believe, that you believe isn't true, you just unbelieve it. And then you work to unbelieve and then sincerely explore what isn't true and hold on and pursue what is. So how do we build our system? We do it through the Bible, but with not our tradition as much, but the sincere heart of God and who he is. So my best advice as, we, um, as we're moving along is that um, always read the Bible through the lens and the love of God and recognize our real goal as Christians is this. It isn't to be right. It isn't to be right. You know how many arguments I've gotten in with Christians when, you know, like I, I, I shared the story before when I had a, uh, a job out of college one time and got in the car with a guy. I mean, he had, he had tattoos on the neck and stuff, and he was cool. And then um, we were talking, and he's like, um, he was Christian, I was Christian, and like the first couple days were like good. And then he started to ask me about like tithing. What do you think about that? And I said, well, I think that I should. Get, and he's like, no, that's wrong. That's Old Testament. And then then we became, he like hated me all of a sudden. I'm like, well, you do what you want, bud, you know? Um, and we, we just do that. We constantly do that. We got to stop doing that. Our real goal isn't to be right. Our real goal is to be loving just as Jesus was. So, um, and winding down with my agenda here today, for those of you who are doubting, maybe uh, you're considering leaving the faith or someone who you're trying to help somebody. Remember Simon Peter, who, who doubted. And then even after Jesus' death, he, he denied Jesus three times cursed him, said he didn't believe him. And what did Jesus do? He three times asked him once again, hey, come on back into the fold. Come on back. Peter, he said, he said this, he said, Peter, do you love me? This is after the resurrection. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yeah. He said, uh, take care of my lambs, feed my lambs. Peter's sitting there, he's like, okay. Hey, hey, hey Peter, I got a question for you. Do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I said it once before. I love you. What do you want to hear? I love you, bro. Because that's what he really said. Because in the Greek, Jesus says to him, do you love me with all your being? Do you love me with everything else you are? The term agape. And Peter said, yeah, I love you, man. Phileas, like Philadelphia, who had a really good draft, by the way. Um, just saying. Um, ADHD, blame it on that. All right. Um, but he said, he said, and then she said, well, feed my lambs. And he said, Jesus said a little bit, hey, hey, do you love me with everything I got? You got everything in your life? You, every single thing? He said, I told you, Jesus, I love you, man. Love you, buddy. She said, then take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus says, do you really love me, bud? Jesus met him where he was. Do you really feel you love me? Do you love me like a brother, man? Do you really? And the scripture says, Peter was hurt. Because the third time Jesus asked him, he said, you know I love you, man. And he says, then feed my sheep. You see, when Peter heard that, and we spent some weeks on this a couple weeks ago in our lost series, he heard Jesus talk about the lost sheep. At this point, Peter wasn't even with the 12 because he had denied Jesus. He had doubted because it didn't match who his Messiah was. It was heartbroken. He wasn't with them. But Jesus went after that lost sheep. And Peter said, wow. And I think why he was hurt was because he realized, I'm that lost sheep. And he went after me. His doubts did not disqualify him. His doubts made him one of the strongest people in the Christian faith ever. 
And who was the one who was chosen by God to preach at Pentecost where 3,000 people came into the kingdom? Simon Peter. The guy who sank, the guy who opened mouth, insert foot, the guy who pulled out sword to cut off somebody's ear, the guy who said, who cursed Jesus out. He was the guy who stood up on the day of Pentecost and gave a great sermon where 3,000 people came into the kingdom of God. Why? Because he knew the love of God. He knew the grace of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he had grace and love for people out there, no longer condemnation. We can learn something by being a rocky church. And we can learn something. And when we have doubts, we got them. Let's face them. But let's get closer to Jesus in all that. So that when we're sinking, he can say, hey, man, why are you doubting? Remember all that stuff I did for you? I'm still here. Come on, buddy. Feed my sheep. And we can do that forever and ever. Doubt is not the enemy of the faith. Doubt is an invitation to a deeper faith. For if, you're, if you are like sheep, as we are, going astray, return to the shepherd. Who, and, that's, and Peter wrote this, the overseer of your souls. He understood what it meant. That he was, he was wrong about who the Messiah was, but he learned. Through sinking, through denying, through doubting, and through being restored, Amen. everything. All right, we good? All right, let's, uh, let's finish this off today, our worship. And let's just really um, go, to the, go to God during this time. Let's stand, if you will. And um, so I'm, I'm going to tell you, um, sermons, good or bad, our, our, our talks with the Holy Spirit, the key thing here is not what I shared. The key thing here is not um, whether you are emotionally motivated or anything else. The key thing is um, if you're lost and if you're searching, return to the good shepherd because he's looking for you. In all your doubt and all your concern, he's looking for you and he just wants to love on you. So let's pray. Lord, we just, um, I give you thanks for several things today. I, number one, um, I give you thanks for people who, uh, who don't care about the rain. I give you thanks for people who, um, who wanted to connect to you. If it's to see a, a little baby girl who's, who's here, who's, who's beautiful, who's a gift to the parents. If it's her that's just, um, they came to participate in that, awesome, because they get to see how much you love her and how much you, you love the family and the parents and the friends and surround them. But that love's not just for a little girl. That love's for each one of us. There's some of us here who came today and we have doubts. We, life has been hard and we have hurts. And, you know, we may even have people in our family that are getting closer to God. And we're like, what in the world is happening? And we're just kind of off. And we aren't feeling what they're feeling. We're not experiencing what they're feeling. And, and we feel kind of lost. Or, or maybe we're dealing with hurts that we had years ago or, or questions that we had somebody who was not a, a, giving us the love of God. And it just hurt us. And we just said, I'm, I'm, you know, the floor is rotten. I'm just burning down the house and I'm gone. God, I just pray right now that you'll just let us know that doubt is not a bad thing. But your goodness is so much greater. So right now we have people who are in the midst of this room that are willing to pray, whether at the front or in the back. And um, 
you know, God, yeah, we're going to take an offering in a bit, and we just ask for your Holy Spirit to, to bless those gifts. Uh, if you're visiting today, again, we're just grateful that you're here, and we're not looking for you to give. We're looking for you to receive what God has for you. So please just receive what God has for you today, and if, if that's how you're led, just let him talk to you. Don't get caught in the, the offering time. Um, God is good, and um, he's going to multiply it and further his kingdom. I'm excited that Haven Church Haiti had a revival this week where 39 people accepted Jesus. And God, that's not about us. That's about you and your greatness and your love. So, Lord, as we go into these times of quiet and times of song that we, we focus on your goodness, that some of us may have felt that some point in our life that it didn't match up with what we think about God. And we threw the baby out with the bathwater. But, God, let's go ahead and let's bring it back and let's deconstruct those areas that are not true, that are not consistent with your word. And let's put in the place your truth and be stronger than ever. There may be people here who have never opened their lives to Jesus, who have never said, hey, I need a Savior and you're it. I pray that today, Lord, they will do just that and they will, they will reach out and they will accept you and they'll say, Jesus, I need a Savior, you're it. And all of heaven will rejoice. We give you praise for who you are in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Your good. 
Great week. We're going to continue with our series next week. Um, just two things just popped in my head there um, during that. Um, yesterday we had a celebration of life for um, for Dennis Christie, who was an amazing man. And um, all my life we've been faithful. That was Dennis. Awesome man. He sat over here. Just a great guy. Um, somebody who just conveyed the love of God to so many people. And then um, every time we hear that song, we joke in our family that that is a song for weddings, uh, bar mitzvahs, funerals, whatever you want to say. Um, we we brought it out. Um, but I was just thinking that how good God is. Um, we sang that at uh, Dad's funeral, right, first time. And uh, Mom would have driven us crazy with that little girl here now, um, taking pictures of everything. Um, but um, I'm just so glad that, you know, when you have that loss, it doesn't seem like God's there and you're doubting, you're wondering that God is so good when he puts that new little life in your, in your life. And there's a love that you never knew you had. God is so good. Don't miss out. He is so, so good. Have a great week. God bless.